Welcome to the Sell Well, Do Good podcast. I'm your host, Andy Narica, and I'm speaking to Scott Roy, CEO of Witten & Roy Partnership, to celebrate the release of the book, Sell Well, Do Good. In this episode, we talk about human beings performing at their best by managing their attitude. I got so much out of this conversation with Scott, and I honestly believe this is life-changing material you're about to hear. Anyways, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy. So in the previous episode, you talked about how you're helping people tap into their deep desire and to um, not do this downward pressure. So how do you actually help people do that? Yeah. Well, the first thing you've got to do is help them wake up to that. Okay. So one of the things that we, we love to do is we love to ask people in a, in a training environment or one-on-one in coaching. Um, we, we, we ask them, first of all, how many of you are aware of the role that your attitude plays in your performance? And, you know, a lot of times people really haven't considered that before. They just, you know, consider what they're doing and, you know, their things go right and things go wrong. And somewhere I get through the day. Right. Um, and, and, uh, which I guess is one way to do it, but if you really want to be a top performer, one of the things you want to do is become aware of your attitude and the role it plays. So for example, if I'm, you know, upset, angry, not happy about my performance, my manager just ragged all over me, you know, and said, get out there or else you're going to lose your job or whatever. Do you think that that would cause me to, A, want to go out there and really work hard? It, it might for a while, but that'll wear off pretty quickly, right? And if I go out there and I've just been chewed out by my manager and I'm out there knocking on someone's door, do you think that person on the other side of the door is going to sense something isn't quite right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. They may not know what it is. But they know that something's not right. So we, what we like to do is we like to help people realize that there are good attitudes. And I'm pointing up like this because we, we take a piece of paper, like a flip chart paper, and we'll draw a line right in the middle of it, a horizontal line right in the middle of the page. And we'll say, you know, there are attitudes you have that are up attitudes and there are attitudes you have that are down attitudes. So let's talk about those. So what are some up attitudes? So what would you what would you respond to that, Andy? Positive, optimistic. What mm-hmm. it, you know, just imagining that you know you can get through this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, positive. You're you're expecting good things to happen. You might be joyful. You might be happy. You know, you might even be laughing. You might be telling jokes or whatever. Those are all sort of up attitude, up attitudes. Okay. You know, positive positive expectation, for example, or feeling calm, feeling relaxed, feeling, um, you know, feeling like carefree, for example. These are all attitudes that we have that are what we call above the line, right? Literally that line on the page. And then there are attitudes which we would call down attitudes. So what are some examples that you can think of would be a down attitude? Well, it's the sort of glass half empty analogy, isn't it? So, you know, that you're not good enough, that this sort of mind play, I get, you know, get some of this. Um, it's not possible. It's not, I'm not going to be able to do it. So it's, it's this sort of negative attitude, I think. Yeah. And so if you take the word negative, because that's what I learned very early on was a positive attitude and a negative attitude. But 
we like to define what we mean by mm. positive and negative. So negative or below the line, below that line in the page might be things like fear, anxiety, worry, anger, resentment, uh, you know, all kinds of words that basically define attitudes that are quite separating, whereas the attitudes above the line are quite enjoining, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're moving for, towards something. And oftentimes the things that are below the line are you're moving away from something, something that you don't, you know, you, you don't like or want to have happen. And so therefore your emotion can be, you know, your sadness, it can be uh, anger, it can be um, jealousy, all these types of things that basically you're judging as bad or something that, you know, isn't something that I want, you say. And, and these two attitudes this above this line and below the line, can you see that they're distinctly different from each other? Mm. I mean, they're not just shades of gray. They're like black and white. I mean, they are completely different from each other. You say, now, if someone's in sales or management or leadership, or even just living their life, which attitudes would you prefer to have? Would you prefer to have the above the line attitudes in your life or the below the line attitudes in your life? It's mm. pretty obvious, right? Okay. The problem is, is that every day our attitude will rise and fall with the things that happen in it, in, in the day, okay? Attitude is triggered by things that happen. And when things happen that we like, our attitude rises. And when things, when things happen that we don't like, our attitude sinks very, very precipitously sometimes. It can be a word. It can be an email. It can be an experience of driving your automobile on the highway and someone cuts you off in that moment, just like that, all of a sudden you go into a completely different state of mind of accusatory, maybe some foul language, et cetera, about that idiot who, you know, and then the rest of the day, you keep replaying that to, you won't believe what happened to me on the motorway today, <laughs> you know, and then you keep replaying it over and over again. Right. So the thing is that if someone wants to be a performer, then they need to figure out a way to notice first when their attitude has dropped from this sort of above the line state to a state of being below the line. Notice that first. Then once you notice it, then you can do something about it. All right. And it's a choice, you know? So most, most everyone, uh, and by the way, this is all about how we develop as human beings this is the one thing that unifies all of us on the planet. Seven billion people, whoever, how many people in, on the planet? It's not just the coronavirus that's unifying us, but it's actually the fact that human beings are designed in a certain way. And essentially, for the first five years of their life, it's bliss. You know, children, like my granddaughter, I just was visiting yesterday. She's nine and a half months old. It's just delightful to watch a child, you know, smiling when you smile at them and, you know, all of that stuff going on. But actually, if you look into this, in, into the actual wiring of the brain, the liter literally wiring of the brain is, is that is like a blank canvas. That child, that brain is wiring itself up because of what it's what the child is learning the child is absorbing everything around her you say and for the first 5 years of 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 a child's life they're the most brilliant years of our of our lives as human beings is because the brain is just wide open 
and we soak up everything. This is why children, if they are in families where multiple languages are spoken, they pick up languages so quickly. It's because their their minds are so plastic. You know, they're so uh, it's so easy to form new shapes, new new ideas. It's very moldable and blendable or, or uh, uh, bendable. And so, um, what happens at the age of five, however, is this area of the brain up in the front becomes wired up so that it becomes uh, self-reflective. So up until about age five, children are not very self-reflective. They can't be because physiologically their brain hasn't been wired up yet. At about age five, you can see it in your own kids. In fact, you could probably think of this with your own children is that and it happened to you too, is that then I begin to think back at what's happened and I judge it as good or bad. And then based on that experience, I look forward and I project forward about what is actually going to happen. You see, so children between the ages of zero and five are in the present moment. Beginning about age five, they begin spending time in the places that most adults spend most of their time, which is ruining the past and fearing the future. You say, you want to know what stress is all about? Stress is all about not living in the present moment. Now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, talk about this now. And, and really, it's something that I learned about 30 years ago, 35 years ago. I was fortunate enough to be uh, in the presence of someone who taught me this. And it was one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in my life. In fact, I could probably count it in the top one or two things in my life that I've ever learned is about how, first of all, notice that I don't spend a lot of time in the present moment. But number two is how do I get there as quickly as I can when I realize that I'm below the line, when I'm not in a state of mind of bliss or joy or expecting good things to happen? How do I get into the present moment where I can, you know, I can think clearly and make plans and tap into my brilliance, you see? So we have a skill that we teach people how to do that. It's called split attention. And this is based on my business partner's doctoral research. Uh, so this is Roy's uh, invention, although it's not an invention in the sense that it never existed before. It did exist before. In fact, it traces back to about 2500 BC and uh, in, in or 500 BC in the Buddha. Yeah, yeah 500 BC in the Buddha. And uh, in, in, you know, his ability to sit under the body tree and get into the present moment. But you, you don't have to go and meditate off in a room somewhere for two hours. You can do it instantaneously. All right. In fact, I'd like to teach it to you. Would you like to learn it? Let's, let's do it. This sounds, uh, sounds wonderful. Could uh, use it every moment of the day. Yeah, well, you, you could. It's, uh, it's a bit tricky to do that because... You have to consciously be thinking about it all the time. But let me let me just take you into the experience of it. And if you're listening to this podcast, just do it along with us, if you would. Okay. So, Andy, it's very simple. Essentially, just put your attention on me. Okay. Just notice my 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 gums and lips flapping as in the sounds I'm making and all of that. And just relax and and just just concentrate on me. Put all of your focus on me. All right. And as you're doing this, is that is I want you to become aware of something that you do very naturally about 12 times to 15 times every minute. And that's your breath. So what I'd like you to do is just focus on me entirely 
And at the same time, just become aware of the feeling of your belly just below your navel about as you inhale, you'll notice that your belly extends or distends. Yeah. And you notice that when you exhale, your belly will just gently pull back and settle back in. Right. So it's a very simple thing. It's a very, you know, simple thing that you just tune into while you're focusing on me and what I'm saying. And at the same time, just put a little bit of your attention on your belly as you breathe. And you'll notice as you breathe in, it'll push out slightly. And then as you exhale, it'll come back in. Right. So just to like 10, a little bit, meaning like like 20%, that sort of thing. Yeah. 10, 10, 15, 20%. I mean, it's not exact. Just, it's just what you're doing is you're holding two things in your awareness. One is you're putting your focus on me or whatever you're doing. You could be writing a paper or whatever, uh, you know, or reading your emails, for example, you know, you just put your attention on what you're doing. In this case, it's me. And then the second piece is then just add in, an awareness of the feeling of your breath as it goes in and out. It just the pressing of the belly out and in. Okay. And that's it. And you'll have an experience. What are you noticing? What kind of experience are you having? You notice a physical feeling or, uh, you know, senses, etc. What are you noticing? I think my um, awareness has just expanded a little bit. Mm. So I'm becoming more, aware of awareness yeah the way awareness is expanding rather than just what you were saying and not even looking at you but i'm like seeing around me i'm feeling uh-huh. i'm listening okay yeah so so it's like so it's like you you it sounds like your vision is actually your actual vision is broader and it sounds like what you're saying you're mentioning also you're listening you notice how careful you're listening mm. and, and and not just to me maybe even here noises in your background. Sometimes people will report hearing the air conditioning, for example, as something or the whirring of the refrigerator, you know, the motor. They'll hear that. They'll all of a sudden they'll hear something that they have just tuned out or not even paying attention to. What else do you notice? What about your physicality? What do you notice? Well, I'm noticing my breath. Okay. What I notice is a lot of times when I do this, I'll notice my shoulders will just relax a slight mm. bit. You know, I'll just feel this kind of tension will just leak out of my body. Yeah. And you notice also as you're in, and right now you're not actually doing split attention, right? Yeah, no, I've just, I'm just, split. yeah. 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 But, it, but it's set up, it, it's set up how you're feeling right now, right? Because you, you're not going to do it every minute of every day. But right now, just do it again, if you would, as you're listening to me again, okay? And see how easy it is. You can just slip right back into it whenever you want to. You just need to remember to do it. That's all. It'll never become automatic behavior. But as you do it now, and I can see it, I can see it in your eyes that you're doing it. Yeah. Because your eyes have a certain look to them when you're splitting your attention. It's the same thing that I see when I see my granddaughter. Because she's in the present moment every minute of every day for her first five years. The same look. That's why children, oftentimes, when you see a child, you notice how drawn you are to their eyes, how magnify, how, how magnetic, magnetic that is. It's because you're seeing somebody who's a pro at being in the present moment. They're just doing it naturally. Now, as adults, because of the way our brains wire up, we have to learn a method to actually tap into the present moment. 
Okay. So that's, that's, you know, and, and your sense, do you feel calm, relaxed? Yeah. All of that. Slightly, dis, slightly disorientating because my, uh, yeah, it's just a new experience. Does it, does it get, uh, do you become, I mean, do you become a pro at this over time? Yeah. I mean, the only pro part about it is just not getting real uptight about doing it. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, split my attention. Okay. I'm going to concentrate on what you're saying. I'm going to feel my breath, you know, 15%. No, is it 20? (laughs) I mean, just don't do that. You know, just, just, just naturally just drop into it. And all it is just a matter of just noticing that you're not doing it or noticing that you're feeling anxious or notice that you're distracted by something like maybe, you know, especially COVID times, we have kids at home, dogs at home, you're trying to do your work from home and all this. And I tell you what, split attention has really been a lifesaver for me in being able to, to do that when I'm in conversations like this. It's, I can hear the dog in the background or my, my son or my, you know, whatever it is, come, come in and, you know, trying to get my attention, my daughter, get my attention or the phone rings or whatever it might be. And so what I do is I, I feel distracted or I feel anxious or I feel kind of, you know, kind of uh, bothered by something, you know, or I'm angry about something or whatever it might be, or feel like I'm behind or something like that. Then I just will notice that. And then I split my attention and I just relax right there in that moment as I'm doing what I'm doing. You say, so I don't have to go away into a room and take 45 minutes out, you know, go, go meditate so I can come back and, and be in a good state of mind. I can tap into that state of mind in literally about 15 seconds. And then I focus on what I want. So if we go back to the previous recording and we were talking about you and your goals and what you're doing with building your business is that I would say, well, Andy, before we just go into that, why don't you split your attention? Now tell me what you want. And that is an incredibly powerful exercise because it's the clearest thinking you can bring to what you're doing. You're in the present moment. That's really what this experience delivers is it delivers you being in the present moment. And that's where all of your power as a human being resides.